Now, let's get into this message, uh, the last of the story of God. Now, uh, the last of my part of the story of God, because there's a whole lot more of the story of God that we're not getting to. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for how you draw us in, Lord. Uh, Everything about who you are says, come to me, come to me. I want you. I need you. Lord, you just, you just keep drawing and saying, I thank you, God, for how you've done that in this, in this service, God. And Lord, it just, we just feel your presence and know that it's, it's, it's almost as if you're just like winking at us. Say, come on, just a little closer. God, you're such an awesome God that, that, that as beautiful and as holy as you are and as ugly and as unholy as we are, God, that you just, you want us to be close to you. You want us to be by you, God. What an awesome God you are. And I just pray, Lord, that you, you, you help us today, God. Share with us, share with us your word, Lord. Share with us and, and, and challenge us, God, to fulfill all the little pieces of all the little things, God, that you call us to do throughout our day, throughout our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so if you missed the first two first two uh, sermons of the series, you're going to be okay, okay, uh, but please go back and listen to them in the, on the podcast or the RSS feed at the, at the bottom of the, of the web, 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 web page, you can find that, um, and, uh, but, but I do want to mention these couple, couple little things about that before we, we jump into this is, is the first thing is, is we learned is, you know, and I don't want to preach these messages again, but I, I want you to remember this because this is important, don't just remember this for today, remember this for your lifetime is that God, he is, he, he's omni-omni. You know, we talk about the omni words. He's omni-omni. Omni means all, you know, so he's all-all. I mean, he's, he's all-everything. I mean, everything he is, and, he, and, he's, and he's, he's complete and, and more than complete. I mean, he, he was here before anything else started. He will be here when everything else is gone. He's eternal. He's all of that. This great, big, awesome God, as beautiful and as holy as he is, as John was saying, this is who he is. Yet the second part of the series was, what he wants. You know what he wants? He wants relationship with you. This big, huge, awesome God who has always existed and always will exist. And you know what he wants? He wants to be connected to you. He wants relationship with you. You know, so we kind of, we kind of like started with uh, how God was before the beginning. And then this, uh, this past week, last Sunday, we talked about how God has been, you know, in the world's lifetime, you know, mankind, uh, you know, in our lifespan. And, and, and so today, we're going to look at what's next, because there's something more. Now, now, there's a lot of people today, there are a lot of people today who, who believe, and they think they've been enlightened because they now believe that this life is all there is, that when you die, there's nothing after that very last breath, that it's just over. Oh, we've been enlightened, you know, and, and we no longer have to believe in a God. But we talked last week, and this is one of the things, if you didn't hear last week's sermon, you need to go get this, you need to hear this. This is one of the things, there's something inside of me and you that screams out, oh no, there is more. There is more than just this. You know, not, you know, not like the animals, not like every other creature, there is something inside of us that says, no, there is more than just us in this thing, and there is more than just these few days that we have here on the face of the earth, and, 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 it, and it screams out and it cries out that we know there's more. Do you know 80% of Americans believe, still believe that there is a heaven? They still believe that. I mean, even though the enlightened ones want to tell us, oh, you know, religion is just for the, for the weak-minded and those who have to have a crutch to hang on to. You know, I don't have to have a crutch to hang on to, but I, I'm looking forward to something better than this life. I mean, I'm blessed. God has blessed me. There's a whole lot of, but you know what? Just about every Sunday, somebody comes to me with a new need. Somebody comes to me with a new struggle. I mean, we've got families that, you know, are falling apart because of the, of the troubles that they have out here in this world. And you know what? 
I'm looking for something better than this. I'm believing that God, there is a God that created us and that there is something more. But here's, you know, here's the crazy thing. Is out of those 80%, you know, only about two-thirds of those believe in a hell. They believe in a heaven but not a hell. You know, and, and that's almost like a, a, a kind of a convenience of belief. Is, is we believe what's convenient or, or, or what kind of fits with how we want to feel today. That, yeah, I'm believing that there's something better than that, but if I don't live right or whatever, or I don't, you know, I don't uh, uh, obey God and, and I don't please Him and things, then I want to believe that He's not going to in any way punish me or there's not anything else that is there. And so it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, and we come, we come to these things, but we have to get back to it. And listen, here's what God did. God put the seed of faith in every man that has ever lived. And even though you can't pull it all together just within yourself, thank God He gave us the Bible to keep us on track, but there's this seed of faith inside of us that keeps pushing us and keeps reminding us. And when we get back to that, even when we start thinking, well, I don't know if, if this is it. When we really look inside of us and we say, God, God, if you're there, speak to us. You know what happens? He speaks to us. He draws us. He challenges us. He pulls us. He encourages us. And we know that it's there. And if there is an afterlife, then we need to get busy preparing for it, Right? I mean, if there's not, and that's what some people say, well, what if you're wrong? Well, you know, if I'm wrong, you know, if we Christians are wrong, you know, the, you know what that means? We're going to die and everything's going to be, and so we've lived by a moral code for nothing. Well, not really, have we? We've treated others with respect for nothing. Uh, not really. We, we have valued others. We have, we, have, we have given our lives to something bigger than ourselves, and was it always? No, it wasn't always. I mean, even, even if there is nothing after my last breath, everything that we do here has been pouring into us. I mean, it's been for good. But for those, that aren't, if, for those who aren't Christians, if they're, if they're the ones who are wrong, then we've prepared for eternity, and they are going to be the ones standing wanting. I mean, Either way you look at it, I mean, if, if I'm speaking to someone today who is an agnostic or, or even an atheist, if, I, if I'm speaking to you today, I say, you know what, if, if I'm wrong, so what? We lived a great life. We, we poured into people. But if you're wrong, if you're wrong, and so either, either way, I mean, the, the best thing to do is, is this moral code and all these things, but there's something inside of you. I know there's something inside of you because I feel it inside of me that says, there is more. There's more beyond this life. And you know where it begins? It begins with Jesus Christ. And 1 John says, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has a Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I could have gone several places here, but God led me to this one to remind us of this, that that whoever has the Son has life. And we're talking about eternal life up there. See the first line? We're talking about eternal life. We've got life here, but we're going to have eternal life as well. And he who has the Son has life. And if you don't have the Son, you don't have life. So why, why, is, why is this scripture important? Because, and like you teenagers and, and you young adults especially, but all of us, we are being bombarded by secularism. We are being, being bombarded by, by these thoughts of, of, you know, of how you know, there, there, there is no God or their universalism of, of how there are plenty of gods. You know, in any way you want to get into eternal life, you can do that. We're being bombarded by this, and you you teenagers are going to face it more and more. You young adults who are in college, you're going to be bombarded by it. I mean, that that there's many, many ways to heaven, but the Scriptures tell us this is the only way. I mean, there's nobody else who has died for your sin. 
And, and, if, and if you have, to, you have to become good all by yourself, I, I agree with John. I'm not holy. I, I cannot earn. I cannot merit. I can't get good enough or beautiful enough or, or holy enough. I, I cannot pay the price for my sin. There's only one who has paid for your sin, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so you, you have to, if we're going to get ready for an eternity, for something that is more beyond this life, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to make a decision. We've got to decide if we believe, whether or not we believe, if this scripture right here is true, if, if having the Son means you have life and not having the Son means you don't have life. You better make that decision because you're going to be challenged with that for the rest of your life. Make the decision today. Make the decision today. And I'm talking to Christians who have been in church for, for months or years even. Make the decision today that, yes, I know that there's something inside of me. You know, it's that seed of faith that he planted inside of you. He didn't put it in your dog. I'm, I'm sorry for you dog lovers out there. You think that your dogs are going to heaven with you. Okay, we'll have that discussion later. He did not put a seed of faith in your dog. He put a seed of faith in you, and this seed of faith screams out to you and says, yes, there is something more. And the, the, and the more that is after this life can only be found in this one that we call the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We have to know that. We have to make sure of that. Because, and here's the reason it's so important, is because, because after death, there are no do-overs. You know? You ever ask for a do-over? You know, I'm talking about like playing games or whatever. You say, I'll, I'll get a do-over. That in, in golf, we call them mulligans. You know, I like, I like, that's one of the reasons I like golf tournaments, because you can buy mulligans. $5, you know, $5 a piece, and then you can hit the ball all day long. You know, just keep hitting them. I do over and do After death, there are no do-overs. You don't get to do this life but one time. Word of God says that it is appointed a man once to die and after that. That's why it's important to get it right. We have to get it right right now because there is more than this. And getting it right means deciding, is this really what it is or is this not? We have to make up our mind. In the book of James, uh, he says, why do you not even know that what, what, what will happen? Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Your life is a mist. Your life, uh, King James says vapor. Your life is a vapor. It comes and it goes. It just, whoosh, and then it's gone. Think about it this way. How, how long has your life been? 15, 20 years, 30, 40, 50, 60? For some of you, how, how long has your life been? But then put that, put that in the context of the lifespan of this country, 230-something years, right? Put it in the context of, I think, 230, what, 236 years? Put it in the context of how long has your life been? If you're, if you're 20 years old, you've been alive less than 10% of the life of just this nation, this country. If you're 60 years old, you've been alive about a fourth of that time. And you know what? That seems so insignificant and so small, doesn't it? But that's just the life of this country. This country's going to go away one day. What about since the birth of the, of the church back, you know, in, a, in about 33 A.D.? 2,000 years almost that the church has been around. And how long has your life been? Just a vapor. But that's just the life of the church. Think about what we talked about in that first sermon about how God always was. Way before the beginning, He always was. Way back, way, I mean, He never had a beginning. And so when you, when you take your life and you put it in that context, say, Wow! What is my, I, I, I mean, it makes me feel so insignificant, so small. But let me tell you that here's the good news. Is you weren't there then, but because you were created in the image of God, 
There is more after this. Because you were created in the image of an eternal God. You weren't always before, but you always will be after because of that. And so what is insignificant is not you. It is this life that you're living today that is insignificant. It's just this life that we're living today that's insignificant. Not, 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 not you and not who you are. I mean, because he, man, you're, you're special. You're important to God. Everything He has done, that's what we talked about last Sunday, everything He has done has been because He wanted to reconnect to you. This is who God is. He, he, he wants to take His beauty and holiness. What an awesome setup this morning, John. He had no idea, but He set Him up. This is what God wants to do. He wants to take His awesome beauty and holiness and put it in you and make you beautiful and holy for eternity, for eternity with Him. And so we have, we have to make this decision and understand what, 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 what is really important here. What is, what is really important here? John chapter 14, first three verses there, Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm about to leave the earth, but don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me too. In my Father's house, and according to which version you're reading, some say rooms, some say uh, space or places, and some say mansions. But he's saying, look, in my Father's realm, there's plenty of room is what he's saying. Whether he says rooms or mansions, either one. I mean, he's saying there's plenty of room, right? I mean, if he says mansions, that's still plenty of room, right? He says, my father's house, there's plenty of room. And I'm going right now, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In all this room that my father has in his realm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it were not true, I would have already told you by now. But if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself. Think about it. He says, I wouldn't go prepare a place for you and not come back to get you. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We're talking about heaven. I've got to throw this in here somewhere, and this just seems like a good spot to throw this in. Is we're not going to live on a cloud. Y'all know that, right? We're not all going to get, uh, you know, assigned a halo and wings and, you know, harps. I, I love It's a Wonderful Life, but I meant, you know, we're not all going to become angels and have to come back, you know, and try to earn our wings by helping somebody up. That's not what eternity is. What eternity is, is he's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth into being. And it's going to be, it's going to be like this one, except there's going to be no more pain. My mother-in-law, who, who, who is hurting today, in the new earth, there's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more sorrow. Nobody's going to cry over losing another job or losing a relationship or losing a family or losing a loved one or losing a child. There's going to be no more crime. I mean, every, everything that sin, the curse of sin, has brought into this world, that's what God is really going to He's just going to do away with all that, and He's going to make a perfect world. You've been looking for a perfect world. Guess what? It's coming. Because you know what Jesus did? Jesus was here for about 32, 33 years. And those last two and a half, three years of his life, he was, pre he was preparing and providing for your salvation. Okay, and it took him two and a half or, th or three years, and he provided for your salvation, but he also provided for your healing because he took the stripes on his back. And he, and he gave us teaching, and he taught, and, and he explained to us who the Father was, and he did all this. So for two and a half or three years, I mean, all the stuff that we preach and we teach about Jesus that we know about him, he did all that in two and a half or three years. Man, and it's a multitude of stuff that he did and that he spoke to us and he showed us. But since he spoke those words in John chapter 14, he's been preparing a place for you. Now think about it. He took two and a half or three years to take care of your healing, to take care of your sin, 
to take care of all these things that you and I are dealing with on this earth. But then he spoke this in John chapter 14, and he said, I'm going to take care of your eternity. And he's been gone for 2,000 years getting ready for your eternity. Oh, it must be something awesome that he's preparing for me and you. That's what, for 2,000 years he's been preparing something beautiful. It, it, it's going to make, as the Word of God says, it's going to make us even forget this world ever existed. Because Isaiah said, the former earth will not be remembered nor even come into mind. You know, so those days when you, when you think, you know, one of these days in eternity, we're going to look back at these days and, and I'm going to say, oh, wasn't that bad? And I'm going to say, uh, I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about. Because this is so, let's not dwell on yesterday. But let's dwell on the beauty that we have here. For 2,000 years, Jesus has been preparing for your eternity. There is more. But what do we prepare for tomorrow, the next five minutes? You know, I mean, think, that's what we do, right? Even though this, this life is a vapor, what are we doing? We're spending all our time worried about five minutes, ten minutes. We're worried about tomorrow. We're worried about next week. We're worried about the bill we've got to pay. Okay, give me your top three worries right now in your mind. What are they? Just, what are they? One, two, three. What are your top three worries in your mind? Now, let me ask you a question. A thousand years from now, will they matter? I mean, even the worst, even the biggest bill that you have to pay, if you're about to be evicted and kicked out of your house, a thousand years from now, it won't matter. It won't matter. And I'm not saying don't, don't, don't do whatever you need to do to pay that bill. Don't do whatever you need to do to take care of those things. What I'm saying is, you know, if you're going to spend hours and hours and hours worried about that thing that's not, not even going to matter five or ten years from now, make sure you're spending much more time preparing for the eternity that you're going to exist in that, that, is, that, that is so much bigger. I, I, I mean, you can't even multiply it out because 60 or 70 or maybe even 100 years on this earth is still just a vapor compared to the eternity that you're going to live in. What is going to matter a thousand years from now? What's going to matter? You know, think about the things that are going to matter. The word cloud there, Jason. The people you dated, is that what's going to matter a thousand years from now? The number of people that you dated? Or who they were? How high they were on the social ladder? Popularity? How popular you were in high school? I mean, for a lot of you, that don't matter anymore right now, does it? Especially a thousand years from now. Your bucket list? Is your bucket list going to matter? I mean, is it going to matter a thousand years from now that you fulfilled your bucket list or even how, how great and awesome your bucket list was? It's not going to matter. The corporate ladder, will that matter? How high you climbed on it? What, what building it was leaning against? Will the corporate ladder matter a thousand years from now? All your accomplishments? List them. Write them down. And put them on paper so that they can burn and wither away because they're not going to matter a thousand years from now. It's not going to matter. SEC championships. Boy, that's a big one down here, isn't it, in the South? But is it going to matter a thousand years from now? Will anybody know anymore? Oh, the Olympics. Yeah, they're still around. But do you know who won the Olympics back in the old ancient Greece? No, exactly. You sure don't, do you? Uh, how young you look might matter to you right now, but it ain't going to matter when you've been laying in your grave for a thousand years. Oh, but didn't they look good back when they were alive? Uh -uh. Your stock por portfolio, is that going to matter a thousand years from now? Uh, was it the Nobel Prize? I mean, all the prizes of this world. The Nobel Prize is one of the most prestigious. Uh, you know, uh, the Peace Prizes and, and all those things, the Pulitzers and all the. Uh, are those things going to matter? All the trophies of this world? I mean, I got trophies in my basement. They don't even matter to me now. Are they going to matter a thousand years from now? No, they're not going to matter. Those things aren't going to matter. They're not going to last. How many arguments you win with your parents 
You know, well, I won that one. Or how many you win with your spouse? Is that what's going to matter a thousand years from now? Or the USA? Is the United States of America even going to matter a thousand years from now? Or what is going to matter one thousand years from now? Aren't all of these things going to just fade away? And they won't matter anymore. But why don't we spend some time on the things that matter? Let me tell you what's going to matter. A thousand years from now, what is going to matter is the impact you had on other people for Jesus for eternity. That's all that's going to matter. The impact you have. I know you're thinking, oh, but no, i got to connect with God. Yes, you connect with God. But as, I, as I've often said, God loves me too much. If he didn't have something for me to do right here, he'd take me on to heaven right now, now that I'm right to go with him. He, he wouldn't leave me here in this. The thing that's going to matter is the impact you have on other people's lives. I want to show that to you for just a few moments. And yeah, we're still talking about the story of God. Hang with me here. Let me show you something if I can. In 1 Kings, yeah, we're going to go back to the Old Testament. This is, a, this is, a, this is a, something that Solomon said after he prayed. He said, let these words with which I've made supplication or prayer before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times as the matter shall require. That, and what is the matter? What is this matter that he said? He said, I'm praying, God, and everything I've prayed and all of this that I've poured into you, God, please keep this before you because as, as much as the matter and, 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 and supply what we need as much as the matter will require. What is the matter? The matter that will require this. What is, what is he talking about? The matter is this, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is none else. That's the matter. The thing that matters, it mattered then and 3,000 years later standing here today, I'll tell you it still matters. This is what matters, is that everybody knows that he is God, is how we impact other people for Jesus and for eternity. And they didn't even have the promise, they didn't even understand the promises that you and I have through the New Testament. This was hundreds of years before the New Testament was written, hundreds of years before Jesus showed up, hundreds of years before he got our healing and provided for our sin and before he started providing for our eternity. Hundreds of years. And he said, this is what matters. That people know God. That's what matters. Impact somebody's life. Because here it is. I think we were in First Thessalonians chapter, because chapter 4, verse 13. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. That's one of the purposes for this sermon right here. I don't want anybody to be ignorant. We don't have a lot of time that we get to spend in eschatological discussions. We don't have a lot of time we can spend in that. We kind of got to spend on Sunday morning, got to spend, you know, this, this, these are good things for small groups, but, but this morning, let me, let, me just, let me just barely, just barely scrape the surface here of a little, few little things. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those in Christ who have died, those who are dead, but they're Christians. I don't want you to be ignorant about that. And here's what Paul says. He says, because if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so we believe that he is going to gather all of those together. He said, this is going to happen one day. Those of us who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. We're not going to prevent those who have died in Christ, but, but the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the loud voice of the archangel, and the trump of God will sound, and then the dead in Christ will rise. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then everyone who is still alive on the earth will rise with them to meet the Lord in the clouds, in the air. And he says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord like that. And what, what this is talking about, and you've probably heard the term rapture, right? 
And what you're going you're gonna to hear some uh, agnostics, atheists, and some enlightened ones say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, you know what? The word love is not in the original either because it was written in Greek, so L-O-V-E is not in the original Greek, right? I mean, but there's a lot of words love there. And this word rapture means catching away. And that is exactly what I just, I've just read to you, is that they're going to be caught away or caught up together with him. So the term rapture is there, but it's just, Greek to, it's just Greek to English. It is there, the rapture. What the rapture is, is he is coming back. Isn't that what he said in John chapter 14? He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I'm preparing a place, I'm coming back to get you. I'm coming back to get you. And, and so what Jesus did then is he had everybody on, on the edge of their seats. And so ever since then, for 2,000 years, the Bible has tried to keep people on the edge of their seats that at any moment he could return. At any moment he could return. And maybe it's today. How do we know when it is? The disciples asked, asked Jesus some of those kind of eschatological questions. You know, when, when, is gonna, when is all the, these kinds of things, when are they all going to begin happening? And Jesus kind of gave them some clues and some hints. And so one of the things he says in Matthew chapter 24, one of the things he says, there are going to be great tribulations such as never was. Now, there's a lot of debate in the church. Most people believe that the rapture is going to take place before this great tribulation happens, meaning that before all the bad, horrible stuff happens in this earth, because of all the, all the sin that mankind has created. I mean, you know, sometimes we, we forget. We look at the news and we see all these things. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, I said, God, how can you stand idly by? But God's a, a long-suffering and a patient God. And he gives people time to repent. And that's what he's doing. He's giving people on this earth time to repent. But they're doing a whole lot of horrible stuff. I mean, this week, two kids, two kids that we've heard about in this country that, that were taken and were brutally murdered. Brutally murdered, you know, uh, horrible uh, things that we're doing to, to one another. And, and, and so when God's going to get his church out of here, and then all of a sudden he's going to just take his hands off, say, look, I can't take care of you anymore. And, and, and people on this earth are going to receive the reward. They're going to reap what they have sown in their sin. And it's going to be horrible. It's going to be so bad. It's going to be a great tribulation like never has been before and never will be afterwards. And, and, and most of us believe it's going to happen before the tribulation. I know some people, maybe some of you that believe uh, that, it's, that it's going to happen after the tribulation. Well, you better pray and hope that I'm right so we get to skip it. Because also in this, in this chapter, he gives some signs. And he says, he says there's going to be wars. Now, there have always been wars. But what he's saying is there's going to be wars and rumors of wars like never have been before. There are going to be earthquakes in various places. Earthquakes have, 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 it's like somebody just turned up the earthquake meter. I mean, boom, 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 they're happening all There was one in New Hampshire this past week. New Hampshire had an earthquake this past week. I mean, we're expecting it in California, right? We expect it in, in some of these other countries where, you know, where they're on fault lines. New Hampshire had an earthquake this past week. Uh, wars and, and also famines. There are famines in this world. Look at the famines that are in this world. While you and I sit and throw away enough food to feed a third world country, come on somebody, say amen. People are dying in other parts of this world because they don't have enough to eat. They don't even have clean water to drink. Famines, earthquakes, wars, and another thing he said was false prophets. People who are going to tell you, oh no, he's not, God's really not going to do, no, God did no, here it is. Just come to my church. Just, just bring your tithes to me. Just, just do this. I'll tell you what to do. Man, I've been, I've been getting that stuff. You ever get that stuff in the mail? You know, you got a need in your life, just, just write down what that need is. Place this cloth over it. Pray over it. And God's going to meet that need as soon as you sign a check and write it and send it to me and da-da-da-da-da. You know, it's all going to be. He said false prophets. Another thing he said in that chapter is he said Israel. 
Israel's going to, he pointed to Israel. He pointed to Israel, when, and not just in that chapter, but also in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Joel. He, ta- he talks about Israel. And in 1948, Israel became a nation again. This was another one of the times God, God had, t- had to take his hands off Israel so many times and say, look, you guys aren't following me. It's y'all going to do your thing, and I'll pull you back when you decide to repent. In 1948, God started gathering them again. They have not been a nation since uh, 70 A.D., about 40 years after Jesus was crucified and rose again. About 36, 37 years after that, Israel was, was wiped out. Israel was destroyed. And they've not been a nation again until your lifetime. 1948, they became a nation, and Israel began to come back together. But it's not just that they would become a nation. It's also that they would be hated, that they would be despised, they would be attacked, that armies would gather and muster their forces against Israel. Look at what's happening. And look at what's happening. And, and, you know, in my lifetime, what I've always heard is I've always heard preachers say, I don't know what, what's going to happen because I know that the United States of America is going to stand by Israel. Are we? Are, are you hearing what I'm hearing Today on the news, are we going to stand there? Are we, going to, are we even going to be in the place? I mean, if this country keeps going in the direction it's going right now, is the United States of America even going to be in a place to defend Israel or anybody else or even ourselves? Because you know what God is doing? God is having, I mean, he's still, he's still giving us, he's giving us some patience and taking some time and giving us opportunity, but eventually he's going to have to say, I, I, I can't protect you guys anymore because you're just not going my way. The rapture. All of these things are going to happen. All these things are taking place. And, and, and I like how the segue goes right here, Matthew chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. He says, hello, I'm with you. I'm going to be here right by your side, even to the end of this age. Now, after the end of this age, we know we're going to be with him, but he is promising us to be here with us right now. Therefore, make disciples. Therefore, make disciples. In Acts chapter 1, say, this is the, the very same thing from uh, Matthew chapter 28. It's where Matthew was writing, you know, what did Jesus say just a few moments ago right before he left? He said, uh, go and make disciples. Luke's writing too. Luke's saying, I remember what Jesus is saying. Luke's writing too, and they're both writing down. I'm trying to remember what Jesus said just a couple of moments ago. And Luke remembers him saying it this way. Because the disciples, you know, they were asking, when, when, when's your kingdom coming, Jesus? What are the signs going to be in all this? And Jesus said, look, that's not important right now. It's not important that you spend all your try, time trying to figure out exactly when I'm coming back and all that. Well, what's important is that you understand this. I'm about to give you power. And the power I'm going to give you is so that you can go be witnesses unto me into the uttermost part of the earth. And that's what Luke remembered him saying. The same time Matthew was remembering. What are they remembering? They're remembering him saying, here's what you need to do to prepare. Because there's something more. I, I, I mean, it was a sad thing for them to look and watch Jesus go. I mean, he was he's raised from the dead and then he ascended to heaven. It was a sad thing to them. They said, he was saying, there's something more. I'm going to prepare, and I'm coming back. So there's two, two, two things I want, I want to say to you this morning. Two takeaways right here. Is you need to be preparing for eternity. If you're not a child of God, if you don't have a relationship with him, you need to be preparing for eternity. And the answer is in 1 John, the first scripture we read. If you have the Son... You have it. Accept him as your Savior. 
If you have the Son, you have life. And if you don't, you don't. It's just that simple. Prepare for eternity. But there's something else beyond that. You know, we say around here, it's one of the things, one of our pieces of our DNA is, it's not about me. Before I became a Christian, everything was about me. God was doing everything he could to make me a Christian. He was giving good people into my life. He was was orchestrating all these things. And some of you, you can look back at your life and say, yeah, that's what God was doing. Man, God was putting people in, in, in my path. And he was putting obstacles in my way of going my own way. But as soon as you said, I want the son, and you took the son as your life, and you prepared for it, from that point on, this part, this life, church services, prayers, is no longer about me and you. But it's about somebody else that needs to be out there. Now, whether we call it being a servant of God, or whether we call it uh, being obedient to Him, or whether we call it pleasing God, or whether we call it doing His will, whatever you call it, it doesn't matter what you call it. The fact is that we do that. When you're in relationship with someone, you want to please someone. When you're in relationship with someone, you want to do what's... You have the same heart that they have. When you're in relationship with someone, the things that crank their tractor, cranks your tractor. And you know what cranks got? Here it is right here. And this is why this part is the story of God. The final chapters are somewhat written as we look in the book of Revelation. And we look at Matthew chapter 24. And we look at Isaiah and Ezekiel and Joel and many other places. But the details haven't been filled in yet. Maybe your name wasn't filled in yet. But maybe today it can be finished when you say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. But there's still something else, isn't there? This is who God is. He's this great, awesome, eternal Father of heaven and Father of everyone who ever lived. And all a father wants is for his kids to be happy, healthy, and at home. And what he says is, now that you're home, go find your brother that's missing. Go find your sister that I died for, that I've been preparing for 2,000 years, a place for them, and they don't know me. Go find them and bring them home. There is something more. Not just something more in eternity after this life. There is something more for you to do. Oh, goodness. There's something more for you to do than sit on this church chair every Sunday. There is more. Stand, come to the front, let's close.